Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Give it up for them as they take their seats. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow, so glad that you're here. Welcome uh, to Portland Christian Center. And uh, whether you're online or in the house, we are so thankful and glad that you are here. In case you missed last week, we started a brand new series. And um, I'm, I'm sure you can guess what it's called because it's behind me. The Me I Was... The me I was designed to be. And one of the things that we said that's so important, and this was the big idea last week, is that there is a God, and it's not you, and it's not me. And we should all be really encouraged by that. But also, that is how we flourish. We, are flourished by, we flourish by understanding that God created us on purpose for a purpose, and he made you uniquely you. Isn't that exciting? That means that the way that you are shaped, your personality, your looks, the way that you are, God made that on purpose for a purpose, and he said it is good. So should we be down about ourselves? Absolutely not. We should be asking the Lord to use us exactly the way that he wants to use us in our strengths and how he made us. And, and that's really how we flourish. Now, maybe uh, you weren't aware of this, but I just want to keep this on the forefront. Last week on Wednesday, uh, Better Together started back up. By the way, who was there? Raise some hands. Who was that Better Together? Oh, there was a lot more than that there. It was great. And it, it was awesome. And I just want to invite you. Uh, we took a, a deeper dive into this series, and it, it was fantastic. But also, Sisterhood, where are the ladies at? They, they started off something on Wednesday night. And did you know they filled their tables? They're going to have to add more tables this week. Come on. And then uh, Ron Stokes and Leroy, they had a men's group. And they're going to come on, barking or something. Someone was barking. I heard that wasn't a dog, I hope. Um, but they have to add more this week as well. Isn't that exciting what God's doing? So if you're like, come on, let's cheer for that. So if, if you're here and you're like, man, I haven't been to Better Together. Is it too late? Absolutely not. It's at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights right here. We have things for your kids, for the youth group. Pastor Jason is crushing it. Pastor Heather's crushing it. Rangers are literally crushing each other with dodgeballs. And so it is an awesome time. So I just want to encourage you, come out. There's something for everybody on Wednesday nights because we really do believe that you were designed to flourish. In a world where people are languishing, where it really does seem like there's things falling apart, we believe that the Spirit of God is at work inside of His kids to help them flourish. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, is how can you flourish? And I want to show you a verse in Psalms. It says in Psalms 92, I want to read this for you. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Can I just tell you right now, when I think about Portland Christian Center, that's how I see every single one of you. 
that you will flourish, that you will experience the goodness and the grace and the wonder of your God. Amen? Flourishing in that verse talks about being righteous. And in case you don't know what that means, that means being in right standing. But it also talks about in order to flourish, you have to be planted. So many people think that they could just bounce around from church to church, read your Bible once in a while, participate once in a while. But flourishing actually requires deep roots. And planting yourself somewhere is so important. Yes, we're a part of the big church, the big C, but I believe God also said that we need to be planted in a house where there's accountability, where there's community. We were never meant to do life alone. So part of flourishing the me God designed you to be is to be around other believers. And you are going to flourish. Are you ready to flourish? Who wants to flourish? Okay, some, some of us don't want to. I'll, I'll try that one more time. I know we're waking up. It's so funny. People are like, Pastor, you've got a lot of energy. Does it ever go away at about 9.30 tonight? But right now, I am fresh as a daisy, and let's go. You ready one more time? Who wants to flourish? There we go. All right. So I want to pray for you as we get into God's word that you would have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond to God's word this morning. And online, I dare you to put that coffee down and raise your hands too. Okay, here we go. Lift your hands with me. I'm going to bless you. Father, I pray every person with their hands up that you would give them eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that will respond to you, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on. All right. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Now, when you hear that verse, when you think about that verse, oftentimes it can be a little confusing because when we expect a new creation, many times people think, well, I'll just become something completely different than who God made me to be. But I want to tell you a story that I think will help you understand what I believe to be true about a new creation in Christ. You see, the, the person who inspired this series for me was a book I read a long time ago. It's called The, the Me I Want to Be by John Orberg. So I changed it to design, just so you know. And uh, he, he wrote, I read this book, man, many years ago. And he tells this story that really, really touched me. And it was about a, a chair. I know it kind of sounds funny, a chair. He had a chair in his, um, in his house. And a friend came by, and the chair was falling apart. The upholstery was ripped. The, the arm, if you sat on it, um, was, was kind of falling over. Now, the chair didn't snap when he was sat on it, but it was a pretty falling apart chair. And so he's there, and the friend that came over said, hey, um, about that chair, uh, what are you going to do about that chair? And he said, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm probably going to throw it away, get rid of it. He goes, oh, don't worry about it. And this friend said, can I take that chair? And he was like, sure, take it. I don't have to throw it away now. So he took the chair. A couple months later, this friend invited John back to his house. He said, hey, come on over. So they came over and John was walking in and the guy goes, did you notice anything? And he looked over and he goes, wait a second. Is that, is that the same chair? And it looks something like this. Is that the same chair? And John Orper got so excited because he's thinking, this is going to be an amazing story. The man fixed the chair, and he's going to give it back to me. 
wow, God, you're so good. I knew this would happen. So he's, like, he's sitting on the chair. He's like, wow, this feels better than it ever did. I'm so excited. And the guy goes, yeah, thanks for giving it to me. <laughs> and you know, that's the picture I want you to think about when I say new creation. Because Jesus died to redeem you, to restore you back to your original design because the fact is you and I live in a broken, fallen world marred by sin and destruction. It's hard for us not to go through life and have things happen to us just like that chair on the side that's falling apart, isn't it? There's relationship fracture. There's financial struggles. There's health issues. And there's all kinds of things that you and I go through. And the lie of the enemy is, sorry, can we put that picture up just for a little bit longer? I want you to see this. The lie the enemy wants, to believe, wants you to believe, I want you to look at the broken chair for a second, is that that will always be you and that will be your story. I will always languish. This relationship will never get better. The things in my life, it is just the way it is. I made my bed and I'm going to have to sleep in it. No new blankie for you. But Jesus showed up on the scene over 2,000 years ago for you and for me. And he said these beautiful words. He says, behold, I make all things new. At Portland Christian Center, we are here to present hope to every single person that no matter how far gone you may think you are, God still has a plan of redemption for your story. The me I was designed to be is to flourish. And that's the work of what God is going to do in your life. So he doesn't want to just make things a little better. He wants to restore you. And if you're taking notes this morning, the big idea is this. We are to be restored to our intended beauty and purpose. I'm going to say that one more time. Restored to our intended beauty and purpose. That is what God has for you and for me. There's a beauty to you. Yes, even men. There's a beauty to you. It's okay. We can say handsome if you really need it. Ladies, we can, they can handle that a little better, right? The beauty. But here's the thing. You have a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. Part of flourishing is understanding who you were designed to be. Now, what does flourishing look like? In a world, we already talked about this, marked with brokenness and destruction. What does flourishing look like today? That's what I want to talk to you about today. And I've got good news for you. We're not the first ones to wrestle with this question. Actually, the Apostle Paul, he addresses this in Galatians, and we're going to go there. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you, go to Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have your Bibles, you can go on the screen. And the reason this is so important is because just like today, the Apostle Paul is addressing the culture because there were these people that were coming in and they were actually missionaries and they were saying that in order for you to really be a follower, to get to heaven, to be someone that knows God, that you had to follow the Jewish religious customs. And Paul says, no, 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 no. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It is a gift of God so that no man can boast. Jesus paid it all from start to finish, it was him. And so for us, as we're listening to this, what's happening in today's world, did you know that the most um, used platform to search for information is YouTube? If you need to fix a tire, 
YouTube. If you need to get a new haircut or new clothes, go to YouTube. They'll tell you exactly what to wear. You can get 15 videos on how to look your best today. How-to videos are everywhere. And, and you know what? There's a place for that. That's great. But, he, but here's the problem. Many Christians have substitute, substituted their theology for YouTube theology. Instead of going to scripture, instead of going to church, instead of having a relationship with people, you know what they do? Oh, I stay home and I watch 10 messages on how I can be a better Christian by myself alone. And I just want to encourage you this morning that flourishing in the kingdom of God will actually require something a little bit more for your life. Because the problem with that is that we make it about ourselves. And the Apostle Paul, he goes right after it. And I want you to see this in Galatians 5, verse 13. This is exactly what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Say free. free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, and here's the part I want you to catch. Serve one another humbly in love. Humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. The first thing you, need, you must understand, if you're going to flourish in the kingdom of God, number one, you must learn to serve. And the challenge is we serve humbly and in love. Have you ever been serving somebody, whether at a mission trip or somewhere else? And I've had this happen to me. I was serving somebody and, and it looked like they were really struggling and I had a drink for them and I was giving them food and water and the person handed it back and said, oh, I don't like that kind of food. I was offended. And you know, what I had to realize, am I serving Jesus? In that moment, right, the Bible says if even a cup of cold water handed out in my name will not return void. And what I had to recognize is sometimes when I serve, I expect a attaboy. Good job, Nate. You got it. Oh, where is the cheering? Come on. Oh, you handed them peanut butter. Come on. I'm not the only one that's ever done that. <laughs> Where's my applause? But what does it say? Humbly and in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we serve, there's a completely different posture. When Jesus said that it will be different among you to his disciples, you know what he did? He wrapped a towel around his waist. He got down on the ground and he washed their feet. That's gross. It's not like when you get in your pedicure and the little bubbles are coming up and all the good sense. Ooh, nice toes, Peter. <laughs> no, it was dirty. It was icky. And he gets down in the dirt. The Lord of the universe, the King of kings, is washing their feet. And he said, but among you, among my disciples, you will serve. And that's the heartbeat of flourishing. Because the challenge for you and for me as we go through life, it's really easy to make life about myself. It's really easy to make things all about me, isn't it? But I want to encourage you today that we actually live in a day and age where serving 
and showing the love of God can be done in ways that the world has never, ever seen. And it's exciting. And I want to encourage you that you can do that. And so I want to invite a friend of mine to come up and has a testimony about this. Ken, will you come up? Would you give it up for Ken? Come on. So you may have seen Ken. Uh, he's an amazing guy. Uh, he's a greeter over on the side. There you go. Come on up, my man. Here you go. This is for you. Uh, come on over. And the, the first time I met you, you gave me a big hug and uh, always so kind. But um, you have an amazing story of serving. But I want to back up just a little bit. How in the world did you end up in Portland? Well, I... Uh, Hold it up just a little closer. There you go. There well, you go. I, I had cancer. I lived in San Diego for 30 years. And before that, I lived in Hawaii. And all I did is surf and get sunburned. And Praise the Lord. <laughs> Come on. So, so you had a pretty good life. I, not, not too bad. San Diego's an awesome life, I'm just yeah, saying. Okay, yeah, there you right. go. Anyway, uh, you pay for it later in life with uh, skin cancer. And so I had... Skin cancer turned into a, something that uh, got big, and anyway, I had to have it operated on, and and they did all that, and a number of other issues came about. But uh, it came back in six months, and all I could do was do chemo. And after three or four months of that, it, it, it wasn't too good. Anyway, I came up for a second opinion to OSHU. And the second opinion was you're going into hospice because uh, it's it spread to my lungs. And uh, they gave me two months to live. And so that, that wasn't too uh, fun for the second opinion. Any, anyway. <laughs> Not the opinion you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I, I wasn't living for God either at the time either. Mm. But God had a plan for my life, and uh, he healed me. Come on. You know? So wait, wait. <clears throat> that was a hard turn. He healed you. Yeah, that's it. So were you praying, or someone laying hands on? Were you by yourself? How'd that happen? Oh, I had my wife. Uh, Come on. And we had uh, friends who were Christians and that. But, you know, God, you know, looking back at my life, and, and he guided my life even when I wasn't serving him. Come on. And uh, he brought me to Portland. My kids lived here, and so we were going to retire. I was in corporate management and that, uh, but I wasn't thinking about what I was going to do after that. But <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so God touched. So God touched you. He heals you. <clears throat> yes. And then when I meet you, you're serv You're a servant machine. Tell us some of the things that you're doing. Well, um, during the pandemic, you didn't have much to do, but God laid into my life to start working at the Union Gospel Mission. So I, I served there a few uh, mornings uh, a week. And then uh, I volunteer for a hospice that I help people that are in hospice because I know what they went through. And during that time, I've been able, to, you know, when people are knowing they're dying, their mortality is just straightening them in their face, and it's a great time to to talk to them about Jesus. And I'm not uh, in timid about that. And I've been able to lead people that are 
just about ready to die to, to, to Jesus. Just to save. last week, what happened? Tell him. Last week, there was a gentleman in memory care, and he's 93, and uh, I was able to lead him to Christ. Come on. Isn't that amazing? He's not dead yet, but <laughs> he, he's got a better plan for his life than he did before. Yes, he does. So God... You got to put any, anything, you know, everybody has a testimony. Yes. You know, some is different than others, but everybody Come has on. a testimony. That's awesome. So one of the things, the reason I wanted to bring you up yeah. is because oftentimes in life, we will be given or go through things that we would not choose. Yeah. Am I right? That we would not choose. But part of following yeah. Jesus is that he has the power to flip the script in our life. Amen. That we're going down in brokenness, and now you're flourishing in the kingdom of God, and yeah. you're serving, and you also do minister to shut-ins. Shut-ins. You'd go all over, and PCC actually has a ministry. Come on, yeah. a ministry with Tracy and different ones. Yeah. And if you would like to be a part of ministering to shut-ins and things, man, talk to Ken. He'd love to help you be a part of that. And Tracy Beard. Tracy Beard's a big part of that. A big Beard. Yeah. yeah. So we want to encourage every person. Serve. Would you say serving is a good thing? Serving is a fantastic thing. Absolutely. That's what I live for. That's what I live for. And, and the other thing is I prayed, you know, I'm a, I was in corporate world, worked 14, 15 hours a day, six days a week. It was a working fool. But so I don't, not much to, to stay at home. And so I was praying and God kind of led me to work part-time at Fred Myers. And so I, I worked part-time at Fred Myers at night, and I'm able to talk to people about Jesus. Come on. Because there's a lot of hurting people out there that come in, and uh, they're lost. Yeah. And so you can encourage them. Yep. And even the people I work with, uh, they're going to become Christians. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So That's awesome. You That's can cool. do that any place. That's right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, would you give it up for Ken? Thank you so much for coming. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, good. You're good. Thank you. Jason will help you. As he, as he heads down, I want to remind every single person, serving is part of flourishing. Come on. And I want to encourage you, find a place to serve in the body of Christ. There's so many different places that you can serve. And if you're not serving in the body of Christ, you're missing a key component to flourishing in the kingdom. And that's what I want to see at Portland Christian Center is that every single person, maybe you've heard of the, the Pareto principle that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, at Portland Christian Center, we want 100% of the people to do 100% of the work. Amen. We're going to flip the script on that one. All right. So what's the first way that we flourish? Serve. Serve. All right. Second way, I want to read scripture for you. As Paul keeps going to verse 16, he says this. So he says serve. Then he says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not, you are not to do whatever you want. But... If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The second way that you, you flourish is to learn to walk in the Spirit. 
Would you say walk in the Spirit? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. About 250 to 300 years before Jesus was born, uh, there was a man named uh, Aristotle. You may have heard of Aristotle. And he had, um, the, I'm going to try and say it right, these, uh, they call them uh, peripatics. Have you heard of them? Peripatics? What, what were they? They were the disciples of Aristotle. And he would walk around and these guys would just follow him all over the place. Like little men, they'd follow him. And you know what he would do? He would dispense knowledge to them. And as a, someone who walks by the Spirit, do you realize that's the way that you should be walking through your day? Everywhere you go, the Holy Spirit is ready to hand out things for you to understand. And when Paul talks about walk by the Spirit, he's actually referring to the way Aristotle would teach people. Do you know what the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead and teach you, lead, lead and guide you into all truth? And sometimes we live in a world, man, it's kind of crazy where there's lots of information, but not a lot of what we would call wisdom which is rightly applied knowledge. And we need the spirit of truth to dwell inside of us so that we can live by faith. Now, my encouragement to every single one of you, next time you're going to go to the grocery store, try this. Don't go, ugh. Anybody ever have that reaction? <laughs> I want to challenge you, because this happened to me recently, is do this. Holy Spirit, <laughs> What do you want me to say to somebody today? Next time you have to go out in public to a park, Holy Spirit, who am I going to talk to? Who am I going to show the love of God to? And here's the crazy thing. When I don't pray that prayer, I don't actually talk to anybody almost any time, every time. But when I pray that prayer, guess what? I run into people. It's like God puts them in my path. And then you know what the hardest part is? Obeying when he says to say something. Obeying when he says to give something. I was in line at a grocery store and a lady was a couple dollars short and I had prayed this prayer and of course I'm right behind her in line. And I'm like, oh no, the Lord's getting me on this one. Oh no. Have you ever felt your, like your, your, your heart starting to beat on your chest, right? And so she's in line and she's running out of money and as soon as she started running out of money, I was like, the Lord's going to tell me to pay for her. And sure enough, he did. And so I said, how much more is left? And it was, it was just a few dollars. So I said, hey, let me, let me pay for it. And man, she just went crazy in the store. Ooh, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what just happened? I just want to buy my groceries, Lord. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, he's doing a work in my life. Am I supposed to serve? Does it look the way I want it to look all the time? No. But when I allow him to lead, I begin to be on mission with him. Because if it's Jesus' mission, it's my, we'll try that again. If it's Jesus' mission, it's my mission. And so this person, man, she was going crazy. And I got a chance to pray for her, tell her about church and all kinds of things. But it was just a moment where all I did was say, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me? And I want to encourage you. Maybe we should do that right now. You ready? We're going to do something a little fun. You ready? This is activation. I want you to pray with me. You ready? Jesus, thank you for saying the Holy Spirit. I'm going to submit my life to you. Whatever you have for me today, 
I am listening, and I'm going to obey. Amen. Watch out! Some of you are changing your plans right now, I can tell. <laughs> In this passage, he talks about being led by the Spirit, but he says something that's kind of interesting for our culture. He says, what, he says don't live by the flesh, right? And so people are like, Man, what, what is the flesh exactly? Don't worry. He says exactly what the flesh is in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to look at that list real quick. Is it still up there? Leave it up there for a second. If you go back just a little bit, it says something that I think is so important in our culture. Students, I hope you're paying attention, college students and high school and junior high students, if you're here, I want you to listen to this and, and really everybody else, but especially them. You are around, if you're in school, all kinds of teaching, all kinds of beliefs that are contrary to the word of God. And one of the things I never saw in this passage that, I, that God really highlighted to me is that part of the flesh is to be involved in witchcraft. And my, my son came home just the other day, and it, I believe it was Wednesday. He came home and he said, you know, at school today, they were casting spells. And I said, I said what do you mean? And he starts talking about all these different things that they're doing. And I looked at him and I said, well, what do you think about that? And he goes, I know it's wrong. And, and, and we started talking about it. And you know what was, was so important, I think it's important as parents and grandparents, is first thing we must not do is be afraid. I'll try that one more time. The first thing we must not do is be afraid. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So we started walking through the Bible with Titus and we said, you know, in the Bible, it warns us that people will try and do witchcraft. Have you not watched movies lately? Have you not read things? The world is looking for an answer. They're looking, they are very spiritual. They're searching. In fact, this is a great time to be alive and to show where the real power is. And by the way, this is nothing new. Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to deal with Simon the sorcerer who's trying to cast spells. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Cast it out, and the man's like, hey, I want to know how you did that. He's like, you're going about it the wrong way. It's about Jesus, not about doing those types of things. And I just want to encourage you, as we live in a world where the way I want to frame it is that we have the brightest light in the darkest possible place. Am I right? So we don't curse the darkness. We love it and we shine the light. Are we afraid? Come on, we got we to gotta work on this. Are we afraid? No. no. We stand strong. Portland Christian Center, we stand strong. If you want to flourish, we've got to be led by the Spirit and cast off all fear. Amen? And the final thing that I want us to look at, number three, is that the way that we don't fear is we live by the Spirit, verse 22. I'll give you point number three in just a second. Some of you are going to have to hold on. Sorry, I'm going to read this verse. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, forbearance, or patience, if you're used to that, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. We live in a world that's broken and lost, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be restored to our intended beauty and purpose. Do you realize that's what God wants to do for you? The third thing that I want you to write down is that he will sanctify your purpose. What most people don't remember is that, Saul, that Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, had an amazing transformation. He went from Saul to Paul. He went from killing Christians to being one of the greatest proponents of Christianity the world has ever seen. How did he do all that? One encounter with Jesus. But here's the thing you've got to remember. When Jesus restored him, he didn't take out the personality and gifts of Paul. All of his ability to be, um, a log to be wise, logical, present arguments, zealous, passionate, fired up, ready to go. All of those things that were all inside of him. You know what God just said? I'm going to sanctify that in your life. There was a, a pastor who um, was listening to uh, a parents come in. And by the way, worship team, you can come on up. A pastor was listening to some parents. They were coming in, and they were so concerned about their child. Some of us have been concerned about their kids and grandkids. So concerned. And here's why. The kid was four years old. And every time they would tell their child to do something, they would do the opposite. Would you come this way? Nope. Listen. What? Every, I mean, literally, stubborn was like their middle name. Strong-willed. Powerful. I mean, it would this child stood up to any adult. I mean, the mom came in and was like, I think this child would even put the fear of God in a bear. I mean, this four-year-old is just tough as nails. I can't get him to obey or anything. And the pastor's like, okay, well, maybe we should pray. And, 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 she's, and she said this. It was so, so interesting. She said, I wish that my son could be more like my other children. Listen. And the pastor said, why is that? Well, my other kids, they sit quietly, they listen, they do everything I say. And the pastor looked at this person right in the eye and said, you have an apostle Paul in your house. And there's some people in this room right here that the way God shaped you, you have asked God to change you your personality, the way that you're wired. You don't like it. You don't like that you're an extrovert. You don't like that you're an introvert. You don't like that you talk to everybody. You don't like that you can't talk to everybody. You don't like that the fact that you can't write, but you do like this part of it. And you have all these things about you look in the mirror and you say, God, I wish that you would just change this part of me. And what we have to recognize a new creation is God will say, hey, I have given you this gift don't use it for evil. I want to sanctify it so that you will lead people to Christ. Restored to your intended beauty and purpose. And some of us need to have an encounter with Jesus today to recognize the things that maybe you've been wishing away, God's using for his glorious good. 
The pathway forward often looks backwards, but all of a sudden you realize, actually God's been advancing me the whole time. Ken, I love your story, and it's amazing. No, he would never choose cancer, but he is leading people to Christ. He's flipping the script on his life. Why? Because he's led by the Spirit. And I wanna encourage every single person this morning, maybe you've been dealt a bad hand. Maybe there's something in your life like, man, I don't like the way this is going. Maybe you've actually made the problem. You've caused it. God's still big enough for that. And my prayer for every single one of you is that you would believe the truth about who God says you are, not the lie that the enemy has said. You see, there's a room full of people and online that when we walk by the Holy Spirit, He will sanctify you and give you a purpose that is beyond your wildest dreams. And my prayer for you is that you will not minimize it and you will not wish it away, but you will actually step in to what God has called you to do. And you're like, man, well, what does that look like? First point, serve humbly and in love. Ask yourself the question, where am I serving? And you're like, well, I'm already serving, Pastor Nate. Humbly, lovingly, laying your life down, washing some feet. I have learned this, the older I get, the more easy it, it can be for me to make it about me. But God's calling me to something greater. If it's Jesus' mission, it's my mission. Would you stand with me? And I'm gonna pray for you as we get back into worship here. We're gonna worship God. But I really believe that there are people in this room that just like that boy, there are things that maybe your parents, your friends, people have wanted you to wish away in your life. Maybe it's a personality. Maybe it's something that you wish, man, I wish I wasn't like that. And there's been lies that have been spoken over you that maybe God can't use you. Lies that have been spoken over you that I'm not good enough. Lies that have been spoken over you that there's no way God could use someone like me. If that's you today, I want you to lift your hand. I just wanna pray for you because I believe God is about to set some hearts free because you're gonna understand the truth that God has designed you uniquely and wonderfully to advance the kingdom of God. So if that's you and you want God to flip the script in your story, to believe the truth, would you just raise your hand right where you are? I'm gonna pray for you. A new, thank you, I see the hand, lots of hands. You need a new story in your life, come on. Lots of hands, lots of hands. Don't, hey, come on, raise your hands. There's lots more, I, I just believe there's more. There we go, there's more. You believe the lie about yourself, it's not true. You are an amazing child of God. God's gonna use you. So Father, right now you see every hand that's raised. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would flip the script in their life, that they would move from being people that aren't sure about who they are or where they're going, but that you would lead and guide them into all truth. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them, that you would touch them, and that whatever the lie is, that they would reject the lie and believe the truth, that they are sons and daughters restore them to their intended beauty and purpose, I pray. In Jesus' name. If I could have the prayer partners go ahead and come forward. We're gonna get ready to worship Jesus. We're gonna pray. We said at point two, to flourish, we need to walk by the Spirit. And some of us, maybe we're not too comfortable with this, but I just wanna encourage you. 
as we sing this song, if you have any prayer requests, we'd love to pray with you. We're gonna believe Jesus is gonna heal you and touch you, whatever it might be. But if you're, if you're out in the pews, can I just encourage you to do something? You have a moment in time to let the Holy Spirit touch you and minister to Jesus and worship Him. Would you take advantage of this moment? Would you just take advantage of it? He's here, He's with you. That looks like worship. Sing these songs out, praise Him and glorify Him and watch what happens in your spirit. He's gonna challenge you and transform you because He who began a good work in you, He will carry it to completion, amen? Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.